Hello, everybody. Jonathan Welton here. I have a special treat for you today. And there's really a limited time to uh, what I'm going to share with you. So if you can stick around, uh, at least for the next few minutes, while I kind of make a quick announcement, uh, we have a time window of something very special that's coming up with my guest. My guest is a, an old friend, uh, Kevin Dedman. He's not old, he's an old friend, uh, Kevin Dedman. And let me tell you what he's doing. Tomorrow, uh, today's Wednesday, February, let me check the phone. So tomorrow is Thursday, February 8th, and he's doing a special event to launch a new book that he's putting out. We've been sitting here talking about the book and we're gonna get into that in this in this recording together. So you'll hear about that. But what he's doing tomorrow is something really unique and special. I haven't actually seen somebody do this before, but all throughout the day on Facebook Live, if you go follow him on his Facebook channel, Kevin Dedman, uh, and look him up, he will be on and off Facebook Live all day long, uh, sharing stuff from the book, sharing nuggets, as well as doing ministry, uh, praying over those who need a miracle in their body, uh, Kevin has a proven track record of all kinds of miracles and healings and and just incredible things that have taken place. And uh, I would love to send you over to go check out, hit, like his page, follow his page, and start to uh, keep your keep your browser open tomorrow so that you can catch him through the day. He's going to start as early as 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, I know there's people out there, you need prayer for something. Maybe you haven't got prayed for in a while and you, you, he might even go prophetic on you. Who knows? You know, he's got it in there too. So, uh, I want to encourage you guys go check him out, but today we're going to, we're going to go a little bit further into hearing some about this new book, which is called presence therapy, such an intriguing title. And Kevin has, has gone on quite a journey into emotional, mental, physical wellness, which is a thing that a lot of the church doesn't put a lot of time into it always uh it's it's a huge place in my heart too as my own journey my my journey in my marriage has gone down this road also and uh so kevin is a kindred spirit here and uh so kevin uh great to have you buddy come on it's it's always a pleasure to connect with you jonathan and you know it's 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 fun you know being on the journey together and that's what it is. That's what this life is. That's what this revival life is. It's it's being on a journey of of wellness, of abundant life, thrive life in every area of life. And man, I'm so happy that both of us are on this journey and and we're we're going for it. That's right. We're going for it. I remember when I met you the first time, it was at Sid Roth. I think that was back in 2012. Yeah, that sounds right. Wow. That was a long time ago. Actually, that would have been 2009. Oh, maybe 2009. That was even further back. Wow, okay. I think we were on a second time or something. I know, I know. yeah, we, we were there at least twice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember I was, uh, you know, Sid had me actually sing over the audience healing miracles. And uh, I uh, so I sang this song that was an REM song that I changed the lyrics to. Uh, it's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. 
And so I'm like, I can't sing this over this woman who's, you know, mostly paralyzed from the waist down. She couldn't even stand up on her own, hadn't walked in five years, let alone run. She'd been training for a, a 10K race when she injured her back, had to have surgery. It was botched. She was left mostly paralyzed for five years. And, and uh, I sang this, I was praying over her and I heard that song, It's the End of the World as You Know It. And I'm like, God, I can't sing this over her. That's ridiculous. And he goes, I know, why don't you change the lyrics? You do that all the time to songs. So right there on the spot, I changed the lyrics to, it's the end of your pain as you know it. It's the end of your pain as you know it. It's the end of your pain as you know it. You feel fine. And then I had her sing it over herself. It's the end of my pain as I know it. And I feel fine. And immediately she jumps up and starts running around this 700 seat auditorium and then goes home that night and runs a complete mile with her family following in the family minivan, comes back the next morning, Sunday morning, asked me to pray for her again. I said, well, what do you need prayer for now? She says, well, my muscles are hurting so bad because I haven't exercised in five years. And I said, I am not praying for you. That is good pain. That is great pain. <laughs> Give thanks for that pain right there. We all laugh together, but you know, and so I just got a, a testimony a couple of weeks ago, actually, of a woman who was watching that broadcast, was in bed dying and got completely healed. And now she's part of Bethel Church in Redding, California. She was living in Seattle, Washington at the time. But her whole life, her family's life was completely transformed through that television show and that Sid Roth broadcast way back in the day, which is how we met and you know it's wow. so cool wow and you know as we were saying there's there's so many of those stories i mean you could probably we could just tell story after story yeah but presence therapy i mean that's two things that, that christians get afraid of the presence and therapy <laughs> well especially <laughs> the therapy part together, huh? <laughs> so god's always used me to create uh different uh well, creative ways of expressing what we do in God. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously we're called ambassadors for Christ. We're called the light of the world. Jesus used creative ways to describe who we are and what we do as well. So, I, I, I mean, I've used the, the term treasure hunters as, you know, doing witnessing. And, you know, of course, my treasure hunt book has gone all over the world and has taught people actually how to look at non-believers as treasures the way god looks at them as treasures and believers as well treasures to god and treasure hunting is simply what ananias did when he got a word of knowledge about saul on straight street who needed a miracle needed to find out about his destiny so ananias goes to him and finds his treasure on straight street this guy named saul who his eyes are opened and he's told everything of what God has in store for him. And he becomes the leader of Western civilization, Christianity, and all that because Ananias went out and became a treasure hunter. And so I've used treasure hunter. I've used, um, you know, physician assistant in healing people. Like, I mean, I've gone out, and I'll see somebody limping and, and uh, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, I'll say, Hey, you know, I could take care of that. I'm a physician's assistant. And they'll say, well, what, what kind of medicine do you practice? And I say, I do presence therapy. And so like, 
you know, so that's how presence therapy came about. It was a way of describing what we do in releasing God's presence to people who need a power encounter to receive a miracle in their body or, or, or even a breakthrough in their circumstances. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. <laughs> well, um, you know, we were talking a bit about joy before we started recording and the, um, the presence and how joy always comes with the presence or that, that his presence, part of its essence is joy. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit more about joy connected to presence therapy. Yeah. So presence therapy is a strategy that really involves the presence of God accesses the presence of God releases the presence of God that's demonstrated in the power of God that brings about a miraculous supernatural intervention. And so it's an interventionary therapy, if you will, like ultrasound or, or, you know, physical therapy. This is a heavenly therapy. Like laughter is like medicine and to the soul. And we know that most ailments are actually caused by our emotional distress in, in our body and it affects our bodies. You know, the body keeps score, every, every trauma, every everything that goes on in our emotions impacts our body in some way and and so you know that medicine comes in and it brings us peace it brings us um, alignment it it like reconciles things within us uh heals our traumas whatever but it actually the presence of god the joy the laughter actually releases endorphins in our body it releases uh, adrenaline in our body. It lowers our cortisol levels, which causes anxiety and, and all kinds of different then issues related to anxiety. And so the power of joy and laughter is really the, the essence of the presence of God. Whenever the presence of God invades a person's life or an environment, you know, it, it releases uh, you know, his wellness, his well-being. And, and that comes about with joy. In his presence is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our empowerment, our strength. Mm -hmm. And so it only makes sense then, if we want more of the power of God, we need more of the joy of the Lord and, you know, flowing in us and through us. So that's the nutshell of you know, presence therapy is accessing the presence of God manifested in his joy and laughter to release the power of God, to bring about the intended intervention that we need uh, for a miracle. You said something earlier. Um, we were talking about the abundant life. And I know that one of your, your terms you've coined is the thrive life. And I love that. Uh, the, the, the phrase in my mind, is, as I'm trying to recall it, was something uh, what Jesus says in John 10 about the abundant life, that it was really optional, that the abundant life is optional. It's not automatic. Right. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about that, because some some of us get frustrated that, like, he said I was going to have an abundant life. And I don't know, is this is this abundant life? It seems like, you know, the question that comes up over and over again, and, and David asked it over and over in Psalms is why are the wicked so blessed or why are the wicked thriving? 
And that, that comparison thing that we struggle with sometimes when it's like, well, I thought I would have an abundant life. Isn't that what Christianity is? What's, what's missing there? Or what, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think, first of all, abundant life sometimes is misunderstood to only relate to the place that we'll be in once we die and go to the place called heaven. Mm. So we're actually like hoping for one day having abundant life. An abundant afterlife. Exactly. And so <laughs> Jesus was not referring to that when he was talking about how the enemy comes to kill, steal, and to destroy in John 10.10. Says the enemy is always coming to kill, steal, and to destroy. The enemy's like the Terminator. It's like the Terminator, you know, always comes. Like I would be Bob, you know, <laughs> like you, you can't stop it. It's it just keeps coming. And the devil, like, like the devil doesn't say, Hey, you know what? I think I'm gonna take a two-week vacation. I'm not gonna harass anybody for two weeks. I'm tired. I, I'm I'm just like overworked and you know, I think I'll, I'll just take some time off or, you know, hey, this person's experienced a whole lot of trauma. I'm going to give them a break for a while. No, no. The enemy does not think that way at all. The enemy only has one goal, one task, one strategy, and that is to kill, to steal and to destroy. That's all he does. He's the divider. He's the accuser. He's the condemner. He's the he, he everything that epitomizes death and dis disconnection. That's what the devil comes to bring which is why we're supposed to release the justice of god destroying the works of the devil which has everything to do with anything of death whether that's an emotional death relational death uh financial death like hades death like when jesus said the gates of hades will not prevail against you that word is not gehenna it's hades it's it's a place of death it's a gateway of death like division is a gateway of death. Resentment is a gateway of death. You know, uh, you know, sexual sin is a gateway of death. Uh, addictions are a gateway to death. And what Jesus was saying is that the devil, when he's coming to skill, uh, to still kill and to destroy, he's not going to be able to get into those gateways of death in our life because we have the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so he says in that context, the enemy comes to the thief comes to steal, kill and to destroy. But I've come to bring justice, to bring vengeance on the works of the devil, to destroy the works of the devil by how by that you might have abundant life and have it to the full. You and might. that's the key is might. Yeah. The devil, you can count on it. Mm. It's always going to bring death and destruction wherever the devil's showing up. But he came that we might have. And the, the point is, is that we've already give, been given into sin and death and the fruit of that, the consequences of that. That's already been established through Adam. But in Christ now, we have a choice. We have a choice to partner with heaven. Like as we read Romans, Paul is so like clear on this that, you know, we've all received an invitation into the promise, but are we going to appropriate it? Are we going to apply it into our lives? And that's how the Holy Spirit comes to help us in our even our weaknesses and how Jesus is interceding for us to be able to walk in and attain to that place of abundant life, fullness of life, the thrive life in the here and now in every sphere of our life where there used to be a gate to Hades that had an entrance of death into our life. Now we've shut that thing off through our, you know, our 
are being full of the presence of God in every sphere of our life. And so therefore, abundant life isn't just about our spiritual well-being, being in right relationship with God, but it's also experiencing the, the presence and power of God in every sphere of our life, emotional well-being, relational well-being, occupational well-being, financial well-being, sexual well-being, uh, you know, environmental well-being, uh, recreational well-being. Like, like there, there's like 12 spheres that I've identified of well-being that I believe are all important and essential to experiencing the fullness of a, of, a, of a thrive life, abundant life, the presence of God, the kingdom of God in us now. <laughs> there's there's so much there, but I, I, I'm <laughs> caught on, I, I, if, if, I don't know if we can see it. This, this shelf right here, these white books, you might recognize these. Uh, they're all Watchman Nee books. And okay. that was what, in my teens, I spent hundreds of hours reading everything from him. And I, I was so intrigued and fascinated at that time. But one of the things that's carried over that's really helped me in my charismatic belief system is the objective versus the subjective. The objective truth is, by his stripes, we have been healed. Everybody, even if you're currently dying of cancer objective truth is you've been healed but subjectively you might still be struggling with that cancer he he's put everybody into adam but not everybody has come into christ and i know there's there's a lot of confusion with young uh teachers and uh in the body right now that are running around with universalism and inclusive oh, yeah. teachings and deconstructionist foolishness that are just making everything objective truth instead of recognizing, no, you actually have to step into it. The abundant life that you just described is also one of those subjective optional things. And you actually it's, have it's to an invitation. An invitation. I love it's that. An invitation. And, you know, it's always been an invitation. And, and so it's like Ephesians put off the old self and put on the new self that's a process it's it's a it's an adventure it's it's a journey it's not a one-time event just like repentance is not a one-time event repentance is a journey you're actually cultivating a new lifestyle that produces the fruit of repentance which takes time so there's the event of saying i'm sorry but then there's the process of repentance which says okay now i'm going a different direction and you'll see my repentance in the fruit that it produces in a year or two years or three years and over six years and over 10 years and, and the rest of my life. And so I can say that I'm sorry, but if I don't have fruit that is commensurate to my level of sorrow, then that godly sorrow is not going to necessarily lead to repentance, which is what James talks about. And so I'm going to remain in that same place if I don't do something intentionally to start changing the course of my life in terms of my fitness, let's say. If I'm overweight and I repent and I say, I'm going to start taking care of my physical body, I could be so sorry that I gained 30 pounds over the last year. But until I actually implement an exercise program and a dietary plan that's going to help me to lose that 30 pounds, I have not repented. 
And true repentance is going to look like I'm 30 pounds lighter within, you know, the next five years. It might take that long to get it off, but I'm working at it. I'm, I'm in the process of repentance. And, and so everything is a choice in the kingdom of God. Loving is a choice. Forgiving is a choice. Giving is a choice. Serving is a choice. Well, growing is a choice also. The Holy Spirit's inviting us into growing. He's not making us grow. It's so good because we have these two options. You can be robbed, killed, or destroyed, or you can have an abundant life. And he's laying it out as an invitation. You have these choices. Yes. You can have this or this. You can have financial abundance, or you can, you know, be poor and struggling and in debt. And as you know, you're the tail and not the head, as it would say in Deuteronomy. So we have these two options in our finances, our fitness, and all these areas of our life. And some of that theology is so disempowering when you grab onto the idea that, well, I already have everything, so I'm just going to sit back. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, it is, are you living the abundant life? Are you doing what you actually need to do to partner with, with heaven to have that presence in your life? Well, the reality is most believers have relented to their subjective reality that they are stuck in this phase, this mode of the devil coming to kill, steal, and to destroy, and they can't escape it because they're, they're sinners saved by grace instead of saints saved by grace. And so they live in this place of, ah, oh, the devil's coming to get me again. This place of Hades is coming. Yeah, I can't, I'm never going to be a real, my, my overcoming is not about overcoming the the temptations the the challenges of life my overcoming is faith that one day i'm going to go to heaven and have abundant life i mean this is what augustine taught the church in the fourth century and uh or the fifth century in the 400s and and it's been adopted into christianity ever since this idea that we're sinners always sinners that this world is evil that we're basically evil and that our job is to hang in there until we finally die and go to heaven through the good graces of the Catholic Church, right? Giving <laughs> us the final sacraments of anointing with oil, you know, which was supposed to be for physical healing. And it was relegated to praying for the dead to get to heaven. And so, so a lot of believers, even Protestant believers, because Augustine, uh, I mean, uh, Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation, was actually an Augustinian monk. And so a lot of Augustine's Gnostic, Platoistic, you know, theology, philosophy carried on even into the Protestant Reformation. And so we still have this idea that man is inherently evil, is never going to be like, you know, saint material. We're always going to be like subjected to, you know, whatever the devil wants to do in our life. And so we just have to accept the fact that we're always going to be suffering from the devil's schemes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And we can't, we, we can't get away from that. And so just accept it, accept that suffering. So when you get, you know, cancer, you know, must have been God's will to allow the enemy to steal, kill, and to destroy, as opposed to Jesus offering us an invitation through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to say no to what the devil wants to do and yes to what God wants to do. I mean, Jesus obviously demonstrated this wherever he went in healing the sick, 
wherever he went, prophesying over people to reverse what the devil was trying to do in people's lives. And so that's what presence therapy is all about, is bringing people into the reality of what Jesus paid for on the cross and released through his resurrection, that we could have continual access to his presence and therefore his power to intervene in whatever we need in our life to experience abundant life. I'm processing, it's a little off the map here, but I'm thinking, you know, I want to hear your observation on this, but it seems to me like I see young people, let's say in their teens and their early 20s, that they have a perspective that's more optimistic. I'm supposed to be an overcomer. I'm supposed to be uh, triumphant. I'm supposed to actually reign in life, like Paul says in Romans 5. And they have a, an, a way of optimism toward the world, but it would seem like the defensive posture that you're describing of you know, I'm on the defense against the the thief who's coming to kill, steal, and destroy is something that sets in a little bit later in life and dampens that excitement and energy that throws water on that fire. What what do what are your observations with that? Okay, so my observation is a little different from yours. Like like I see a lot of people going after the presence in song, in in what's termed worship, like music. And a lot of these like revival prayer times, worship times are focused on continual repentance. God, forgive me. I'm so evil. Forgive me. Like I, I've, I, I'm not enough. Forgive me. I didn't do enough. Forgive me. I, I, I had this thought, forgive me you know, for whatever, I don't even know, like, just forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> wailing and weeping in God's presence, and candidly, I'm so done with it, I'm so, like, can I say sick of it, like, it is so Gnostic, it is so disempowering, it is so, like, living under the realm of the devil's plan and plot to steal, kill, and destroy. We're in this place where we think we're not enough in God's presence or that we, we haven't done enough as though we could work for it, as though we could ever become enough in and of ourselves. No, Jesus has already made us enough and he's already done enough that we can actually access his presence here and now and his presence doesn't look like mourning, grieving, weeping, crying, repenting over and over again. It looks like freedom. It looks like, you know, joy, celebration. I mean, in the kingdom of heaven, when we think about where we're going to be after this life, we don't see heaven as a place where people are crying, moaning, weeping, mourning, you know, sad no, it's a place of dancing, rejoicing, celebrating, feasting. Okay, well, Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. That's how he taught us to pray. So most Christians are accessing the devil's realm. Wow, now that is a strong statement, but it is actually the truth. If we actually would think about it, 
Like the devil's realm is in condemnation, shame, weeping, mourning, death, destruction, disconnection, right? And that's what he's he's coming to steal our relationships. He's coming to 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 kill our passion. He's coming, you know, all of that. And so he loves it when believers are in this place of oh, God, I'm so sorry again, because he knows that in that kind of posture, we're never going to be powerful. We're never going to be able to expand the kingdom the way it really, that God is intended to expand. We're just going to have these little religious gatherings where we get together again and repent all over again, just like in Nehemiah at chapter eight, where the children of Israel came back from, you know, captivity in Babylon and they found the book of the law and they started reading it after 70 years, not having the Bible, not having the Old Testament law, the law of Moses. And the first response was, even though they could all understand what the words of the Lord were, their first response was to repent, to weep, to mourn. And Nehemiah says three times there in Nehemiah chapter eight, stop it, knock it off. This is not appropriate. You already repented in Babylon. You're not supposed to live a lifestyle of repentance going forward. Stop it. Stop your weeping. Stop your grieving. Stop your mourning. Why? Verse 10, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your empowerment. So go and, and get choice food, barbecue. Go get some sweet drink, you know, some sweet tea. And I want you to set up a party and I want you to, to celebrate my goodness. And you know that Psalm 126 is actually the psalm that they wrote in correspondence to Nehemiah chapter 8, which says, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, look at what the Lord has done for them. We want it too. And they were filled with joy and laughter. And then they brought in the sheaves. They brought in the harvest. I'm telling you, if we want to see a revivalution in this day, if we want to see a great harvest, we need a great awakening of how God truly is and how he interacts with his people here on earth and how he wants to bring his presence in such tangible, manifested expression that it releases his power so that people can experience abundant life in every area of their life. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I know, like, I'm preaching there. <laughs> no, I'm feeling it, man. It's like, uh, just... I'm passionate about this, and I, I see like this next generation carrying on the same old Gnostic expression of, of, of relating to God as though the, the goal in God's presence is to weep not to laugh. Mm. I mean, think about it. When when people are, are laughing in God's presence, people are like, oh, that's the devil. Oh, that's, that is out of control. That's indecent. That's irreverent. But then when they're crying, it's like, oh, this is the Holy Spirit. God's here. What? No, he turns our mourning into dancing, our sorrow into joy. The Holy Spirit comes to help us, not to bring us back into pain and shame and guilt and mourning and and, and all of now, sure, we all experience those things that cause mourning, cause pain. And there are times when, you know, we experience stuff in life that the devil is bringing, you know, to to kill us, to to steal from us. 
But like Paul in prison, are we going to succumb to those things? Or are we going to sing songs when we're in the prison? You know, I mean, that's where the breakthrough comes, that choice to enter into abundant life in the here and now. I I, I don't know if this is in the book, but I... I All of this is in the book. No, no, I, <laughs> my next thought I wanted to say, um, you know, part of what he turns my mourning into dancing, say, for example, you have to mourn first. And I think that's one of the pieces that gets missing is we we have like a shame-based, I'm a worm, I'm evil, I'm depraved kind of crying, weeping repentance that you're describing. But there's another healthy, the healthy process of grieving is something the church has absolutely sucked at. And I'll just yeah. put it that way. And because we don't grieve, we don't actually process the pain, the hurt, the trauma. Instead, we bury it. We connect ourselves to the the victim and we we are oh i'm a victim of blah 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 and we grab onto that archetype and we we do all this victim stuff and so then joy sounds like something well i'm supposed to be joyful so i'm gonna put on the joy mask and pretend to have the fruit of the spirit which is joy but inside i never actually grieved to get this junk out of the way to do the mourning that then can turn into the dancing so it seems like all of it kind of has to happen to live in that place of abundance that you actually have to grieve out the poison of whatever. What are your thoughts on grieving and connecting it to joy? Yeah, I so um, am in agreement with what you just said. Uh, like Jesus himself grieved. Like when Lazarus died, he cried, he wept. And he, he grieved over so many different things, over his disciples, over the the people who weren't being taken care of, you know, they were going hungry, they were being dis deceived. Jesus had a lot of grief that he had to deal with. I mean, he he was the epitome of grief on the cross, <laughs> and like, and so like to to say that we we shouldn't grieve would be to say that that we're not human mm. that that we're we're somehow not um part of the human race because now god didn't intend for us to experience pain he didn't ex intend for us to experience death in any way but it came as a result of adam and eve's sin and and so it's a part of our legacy now and and it's a part of, you know, we're still waiting for the consummation of God's rule and reign to come to completely destroy this chapter in our ongoing eternal legacy. But in the meantime, we get to experience the, the, the presence and power of God, the, the rule and reign of God, the dominion of God in the here and now, as well as in the next chapter. And so there's a tension going on right now. So, you know, we're commanded to weep with those who weep. And we're, we're commanded to, to comfort those who are in prison. We're, we're, you know, to encourage one another. Why? Because we all need it. And to say we don't need it is to not be present with ourselves and who, you know, like, are you know being honest 
you know, and so, but here's the point. Holy Spirit comes to comfort us. He is the comforter. Mm. Like Jesus wouldn't have called him the comforter if we didn't need comforting. Okay. So, I mean, I go through stuff in my life. I mean, we just had a bunch of rain here over the last three days and, and I, I've had to get out there in the, in, in the rainstorms and like work on my gutter system because of my, my house was about ready to get flooded into. And I mean, like, like stuff happens, you know? And I mean, but my choice is, am I going to like, Am I going to allow Holy Spirit to come and comfort me, encourage me, give me a strategy to overcome that right now? Or am I just going to succumb to it and say, woe is me. I'm a victim. There's nothing I can do about it. Well, I guess I'm going to heaven one day. Like, no, that's ridiculous. So here's the deal. Holy Spirit comes to comfort us, but he doesn't leave us in our pain. He doesn't leave us in mourning, grieving. He doesn't leave us in sadness. That's his goal is not to get us there. His goal is to get us out of there. And for some people, it takes a second to get out of there. And other people, it takes 10 years to get out of there. But whatever the process is, Holy Spirit is committed to getting us from, from stealing, killing, and destroyed to abundant life. And abundant life is encountering the fullness of God's presence in the here and now, not just waiting till we die and go to a place called heaven, but knowing that that place called heaven actually lives inside of us as well. And so, yes, you know, in our bodies, which are decaying, getting older, getting bigger all the time, fighting metabolism, you know, like relationships that don't always work out the way we had hoped, uh, you know, circumstances, whether they're political circumstances or or economic circumstances. I mean, things that are out of our control that happen to us, accidents, those kinds of things. Hey, we all go through this stuff. And, you know, the question isn't whether or not we're going to go through them. It's like, how are we going to go through them? And with who are we going to go through them with? Are we going to go through it with the Holy Spirit and with brothers and sisters who actually do care for us? who are so compassionate towards us. They don't want to leave us in that place of grieving, but they actually want to help us into a place of thrive without judging us in the process of getting there. Yeah. Without saying, yeah. ignore your feelings because they're evil, they're sinful. <laughs> yeah, and that that can be such a challenge uh, that especially yeah. the... Um, you know, when you come from a place of judgment to then try to help somebody, they feel that and they put them on the defensive and they, they shut down, they close up instead of, you know, you, you don't see Jesus approaching people that way. And there's, there's such a, a openness, the, the woman caught in adultery and, and the, the open, gentle kindness, it's the kindness of God that leads to repentance. Yes. And when you can approach from that angle, you can then bring people forward into who they really are meant to be. Exactly. And, and to me, that's the epitome of empathy. Mm. And that's something to me that the church has lacked in so much because we've so ignored our emotions as part of our sin nature, part of the flesh, that we discount our emotions and try to ignore them, try to try to combat them, actually. So so because of that, we have no empathy for ourselves and we don't feel empathy from God in that way. 
We just do the best we can trying to be loyal to a theological precept that we believe that is going to get us to heaven one day to escape all these problems. But God actually operates in empathy. Jesus operated in empathy wherever he went, and we're called to operate in empathy, which is basically described in love the Lord your God with all your heart, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love consists of identity and empathy. Like I'm saying you're valuable, you're worthwhile, you're a treasure, that's love. And I, um, I think you're enough. Like you are enough, I think you're enough. So empathy basically has three levels, like cognitive empathy, whereas like, you know, you're going through something and I, oh, I can relate to that. I lost my job as well. I, you must be like probably experiencing some anxiety about how you're going to pay your mortgage coming up, what kind of next job you might be getting, or if you're going to get one, how your wife and your family are going to be taking this. That's cognitive empathy. Just being able to understand cognitively the dynamics of what somebody might be going through. But then there's emotional empathy where I actually start to feel your sadness, feel your anxiety, you know, feel that, that sense of maybe devalued or that being devalued or like, because you got fired maybe, or, you know, and feeling that pain with you, which is sympathy in, as part of empathy. But then there's a third level of empathy called compassionate empathy. And that is, I actually want to do something to help you. Mm. Whether that's just listening right now, comforting you and with some with some words of encouragement, or just hanging out with you, you know, or you know, or releasing some truth into your in your your situation. And to me, that's where that's what presence therapy is all about. It's it's about releasing the kindness of God on people in an empathetic way that doesn't leave them where they're at, but actually takes them into God's plans and purposes for them to thrive, whether it's emotional well-being or physical well-being or spiritual well-being. And that's what presence therapy is all about, especially as it relates to physical well-being, receiving a miracle in our bodies that brings us into a, a whole new realm of, of health. And it's the joy of the Lord. It's his presence full of joy laughter like medicine to our soul that that i've found is the most effective way of bringing about that breakthrough man i love it i love it and i i love laying out the the three levels of empathy that's that's such a good uh some of those who might be listening you you want to back up and hear that again and write it down because the, there's some real depth to uh, empathy and like you said the church has been missing it something that helped me because i i used to have uh you know, real struggle with uh, being a really good Pharisee. And I had some judgment uh, that I, I could operate in very well um, was that he'd been there. Yeah. The, uh, the, the thought that if you take anybody, you could take, you know, I, I don't know if we can say this name on uh, uh, certain platforms. So we'll say the, the German uh, evil uh, mustache man, um, the somebody as evil as that and say, um, that, uh, if I had the same experiences and told myself the same stories, I would make the same choices. And that, that just took it off. You know, whether you're looking at whatever big church scandals happening in Kansas city or in Australia or wherever, well, everywhere, 
you do the same thing. Because we all make choices. Yeah. We all, that's, that is the freedom that we have in Christ. We, we used to not have a choice. Yeah. All of us were under the devil's, you know, spell, so to speak. Long. And experiencing, yeah. you know, being uh, stolen from, being killed, being destroyed. We had no choice to to not partner with that. Mm. But now in Christ, we have a choice to make a different decision, to go a different route. And that's the freedom we have in Christ. The freedom in Christ is not we can do whatever we want. The freedom in Christ is we get to choose wellness. We get to choose abundant life. We get, we you know, we have like options now. Yeah. And we're choosing to go on the road less traveled that actually produces abundant life yeah yeah that's so good do you, in our life. do you have a copy of the book there i i don't know if uh they're coming today so our launch our launch is tomorrow and uh and so uh, uh it, they're they're coming today at my doorstep sometime this afternoon i've been like on the 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 tracking watch ups and uh, so uh i get i get it How, what what number book is this for you but they they can go to my website kevin okay. .com, and they can look at at the book and uh and and i actually i think the book is already on it's it's already uploaded uh on amazon right now so right. so uh they can go to amazon as well and just okay. just get it excellent so, uh, so, so I just want to remind people listening tomorrow, make sure that you've already followed Kevin Dedman over on Facebook, Facebook Live. That's where he'll be starting at seven in the morning Pacific and all throughout the day. You can catch him. He's going to be sharing more, sharing more nuggets from the book and doing miracles, doing ministry, doing healing and call outs and maybe prophetic. We'll see where it goes. But let me just share one testimony before we yeah, end this. Let's hear about it. presence therapy. Okay. So I was at the mall one day with a pastor friend and we were shopping. He was shopping for shoes and I, I can, I can't shop for more than 15 minutes with somebody else, you know, and not just get exhausted. And I, I, I couldn't take another minute. So I, I told him, you know what? I, I just need, I need some activity right now. I just want to heal somebody. He's like, what? I go, yeah, I just feel like healing somebody. So I look over outside the shoe store and there's this Islamic family and like it's a grandma, the daughter who's like maybe in her 30s, the, the son-in-law, and then there are three kids and the two women have the head garb on, all that kind of stuff. Not the full uh, face mask thing, but you know, all the, the other stuff there and they're Muslims, all right? And so I walk up and uh, I just went up and I asked, hey, do any of you have back pain? And the, the the mother uh the grand you know the the, the grandma the mom uh she says yeah I I have back pain I says oh well I could take care of that because I'm a physician's assistant and so she's like well what kind of medicine do you practice and I said I practice presence therapy and so she's like well how much does it cost and I said well it's free and she said well if it's so good why would you offer it for free and I said well because I've received this presence myself and it's helped me so much i just want to give it to other people and so she goes oh okay well where do we where would we have to go to do this presence therapy and i said 
oh, well, I'm mobile. I, I you know, wherever I go, I, I can do it wherever. I can do it right here, right now, if you'd like. And she's like, well, okay. And now, now her son-in-law, like, first of all, it's not even appropriate to walk up to an Islamic woman in public and start talking with her. So I could tell, like, he is so nervous. He's, I mean, and he's ready to jump me or something. One false move, right? So I, I, so I asked her, okay, do you want me to go ahead and do this? And, and so I asked her where her pain is, and it's in her lower back. So I'd say, well, is it okay if I just put my hand on, on your back? Now, her, the place was right where her back meets her butt. Okay, so now in the middle of the mall, now I've got my hand on grandma's like butt, okay? And I can see that the son-in-law is getting really, really anxious now. Because not only am I have I talked to his mom, his mother-in-law, but now I'm actually touching her in a compromised kind of way, so to speak. But because I'm a physician's assistant, he's like, okay, he's he's a <laughs> he's he's a doctor, all right. And my definition of a, a physician's assistant is that I assist the great physician. Perfect. It's his presence, it's his power, and it's my risk, and that's the partnership. I stretch out my hands, I declare, I laugh, whatever, I, and, and it's his presence and power that comes. So, so I've got my hand on her back and now I'm laughing, you know, just like, <laughs> and now they don't know what an appropriate prayer sounds like. They have no clue as to what I'm doing. So I'm just like laughing. Because I've found over the years that, you know, it's not about the many words. It's not about the right words. It's not about a formula or a technique. It's about the presence of God. And in his presence is fullness of joy. So I'm just laughing over her. Well, all of a sudden, she starts doing these, like, bend over things, touching the, her, the ground with her toes. And her son-in-law is now like, whoa. And her daughter is all excited. And so then she takes my hand. And puts it on her neck and says, oh, I also had whiplash and I can barely move my neck. Do that too. So I laugh over that. She starts shaking her head all around. She's completely healed. So then she says, now my granddaughter here, we just came from the chiropractor. And he said, there's nothing they can do for her because she was born with this problem with her spine at the end of her spine, the coccyx area that's deformed. She could not sit on this concrete bench, she was sitting forward. She couldn't sit back without intense pain. So I just started waving over her and laughing. And all of a sudden she jumps up into the air and lands on this concrete bench and sits back completely healed. So as a result then, I asked them if they would like to know the, the person behind the presence that they've just encountered. And they said, absolutely. And I said, well, Jesus is the one who healed you today. Would you like to know him? Would you like to have him come into your life and be part of your life from this day forward? And they all said, yes. And then I asked them to open up their hands to receive the Holy Spirit. And each one of them, one by one said, come Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, the grandma started and she just put her head back laughing hysterically. By the end, all of them were laughing hysterically in the middle of the mall. And uh, that's that's what presence therapy is all about. Wow. Wow. Oh, <laughs> and this happens all the time. I mean, it, I could tell you stories from last week. It's so beautiful. 
it's so beautiful just the the heart of god and that's that's it right there i mean it's just demonstrated love uh, man i just love it wow we just had a woman heal the fifth state uh, fourth stage breast cancer that she'd been fighting for five years my wife and i just laughed over the phone while we were driving on the freeway here in orange county and she just came with her pet scans showing the before and after completely healed <laughs> oh, beautiful. she wasn't even a she wasn't a believer as well her sister who was a believer who we've known for years said could you please reach out to her so we just laughed over the phone while we're driving on the freeway <laughs> she got completely healed man and just to think i mean we're all conduits of this yes that's that's what's so important for us to wake up and and get aware of this it's and that's what this book is all about it's not only like outlining what presence therapy is but it's also a manual that you can use in your life anybody out there can use in their life to to participate and to to actually do presence therapy on themselves and others oh fantastic uh, that, <laughs> yeah I think that's a great, great place. We'll stop here, but my goodness, Kevin, I, it's so good to talk with you again. And I, will, uh, I, I just want everybody to go check out what you're doing. Get over on Facebook, get on Kevin Dedman's page, get him, you know, get following him, go get yourself a copy of the book, everybody. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and what's going on. Thank you, Kevin. Absolutely, Jonathan. I love you and always a privilege to partner with you. And uh, so excited about your new venture as well with your school starting back up. And boy, I, I'm just so looking forward to keep, you know, seeing and hearing testimonies of people who are being so blessed by the equipping and empowering and activating they're going to get in your school. So come on. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. We'll see you. Blessings. So, no, I'm not the 